0: Just a, just a highlight, you have given this past year already, you have given above and beyond $12,874.29. Give yourselves a hand. So we want to encourage you to continue on making an impact. We are created for impact. Amen? Amen. I want to get right into my message this morning, talking about being a life giver. Have you ever met this person before? Have you ever met a person who is just after being around them, you just feel like somebody has just breathed life into you? Do you have those people in your life? They're life givers. That's the only word the only phrase that I can think of to give to this person. It was uh, a person, a friend of mine, who a few years ago, I I had stepped out of pastoring a church, and I just was going through a very difficult time in my life emotionally, spiritually, and just in a lot of ways. And there was a friend named James Kosian who reached out to me, and James is a, a worship leader at a different church, and we were just kind of acquaintances, and he runs a program that we currently have here at the church called Celebrate Recovery. And uh, he just, can, you know, he kind of heard about that I had stepped away, and he just, in a very life-giving way, just was reaching out to me, and like, hey, you know, if you ever want to meet, if you ever want to talk, you know, I'm here for you. And I, I just... Man, it was just so encouraging that somebody was doing that to me. And finally, I finally gave in and I started to meet with my friend James. And we started to meet on a weekly basis. And every time we, and and I realized he was taking time out of his day. He He was already running other ministries at night, but he was taking another day out of his week just for me. And every time we would get together, he would affirm me, he would encourage me, he would listen to me, and he would challenge me to move forward, to keep pressing on. You see, that's what life givers do. Do you have a life giver in your life? Do you have a life giver? I, I wanna do this sermon series called Life Giver. I think it's so important because this describes the person I want to be. This describes the person that I believe we as a church, we as Christ followers, we are created to be life givers. I believe that the church should be the most life-giving organization in any community, right? People, I'm really preaching good here and you gotta to respond to this. I believe the church, if you're the church, raise your hand. I believe the church should be the most life-giving organization in all of the community. All right. Uh, There's four, I think there's basically four types of people that are probably in your world right now. There are these people who I would call life keepers. Life keepers are people who have been blessed with so much. They're so talented. They've just, I mean, like they're just blessed. They're just living the blessed life. The only problem is they keep all of their blessings to themselves. And I think sometimes if, if the church has a sin, I'm not talking about Thrive Church, but the sin, the church as a whole, I think one of the biggest sins of a church can be that a church becomes has that lifekeeper mentality. We, we've just been blessed and we're just gonna keep our blessings to ourselves, okay? Don't, don't, don't be a life keeper. There's other people that are in our lives and I, I call them life takers, okay? Some of you like all of a sudden that, that image of that person is popping up in your mind. Maybe you work with them, maybe that's your neighbor. But these are the people who had this amazing, they're gifted. It's a gift. They had this ability to find the negative in everything, they criticize, they degrade, they put people down. They make, when you're around them, they just make you feel less of yourself. And it just seems like that they do that to somehow build themselves up. You know who it is? Just, just, just look at your neighbor right now and just say, don't be a life taker. Don't be a life taker. Some of you needed to hear that. Now there's the other person who I call life suckers. Life suckers. And these are the people who consistently show up in your life only when they need something. And they just have this full board expectation that you're the one who's going to give it to them. And they just, like when you say no, they're just like in awe. What? What, you're you're not going to help me? You're not going to do this for me? These are the types of people that that when you get into, you know that they're life suckers because when you get into a conversation with them, all they want to do is talk about themselves. And they never ask about you. And when they do ask about you, they interrupt you to tell them more about yourself. So look at the other person on the other side of you and say, don't be a life sucker. Don't be a life sucker. All right. Now there's this fourth person that we're talking about today. I'm talking about life givers. This is, I, I could just go on and on about what a life giver is, but it's someone who's always thinking about and investing in others. James Kosian. Man, he's the epitome of a life giver. They're always giving life to others. And you know why? It's because they're full of life. It's just overflowing from their lives. I, 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 put a, I don't do this. In the, I didn't write you. is not in your notes, but I put a acrostic. They are If you want to write this down, it's acrostic for life. Go ahead. Just, get, just write down the word love. They're full of love. They're full of inspiration. They're full of faith, and they're always encouraging. To me, that's, that's what a, somebody who has as a life giver. That's what they do. In fact, I believe so much in this phrase life giver so much that I, we couldn't help but keep it out of our vision statement. We talked about this in January. What we said is the vision statement for Thrive Church. We said this, it's, it's just kind of squint your eyes a little bit because that's what you do when, you're, when you have visionaries. Just imagine a church. Envision a life-giving church that inspires, that is working on inspiring life change for the next generation of the 715. Oh, the power. What would that church look like? What would that church do? they would be like it. I, I envision what that what that would look like I talked about this early in January but I would just it, it would have this culture you know what culture is culture is that feel when you go into a building you go into a restaurant you go into a church you go into somebody's home you feel the culture and it would be a culture that is passionate about connecting lost people to Jesus it would have this culture this life-giving culture where everybody, wherever they're at in life, there's a place that they belong and that they can grow. And it would be this. It would be a place, and and we're seeing evidence of this one. It's a place where people love to come and serve others. They love to serve. A life-giver. They're enthusiastic. So when you're around a community like this, When you're, what I just described here, you cannot help but feel, especially if you're a guest, you can't help but feel welcome, accepted. I don't know who these people are, but I feel loved by them. I feel like they don't know me, but they've accepted me and that I am welcome here. I love that feeling. And I just want to say I'm so proud of Thrive Church for what just happened last weekend. If you, if you weren't here and you missed it, oh man, what, what a good, not only Easter Sunday, but the day before we had this event called Easter Extravaganza. <laughs> and if ever there was a life-giving spirit that was in this church, it was on that day. Because on that day, we got to bless over 1,200 people in our community, in our community. So, so Dan, you were talking about, hey, what can we do for the kids in our community? And you started going out and playing games. So you're telling me that if you will bless the kids in your community, you can impact them towards Jesus, just by the simple fact of being a blessing. Oh my goodness! I, there, there might be a lot of people that came to that event and they're not here today. But I promise you, they're driving by this building sometimes on a regular basis, and they're pointing and they're saying to their kids, or saying to somebody, or in their mind, they're saying something to the effect that is a life-giving church. Those people get it, and these are people who maybe have been burned in a church or hurt by by Christians before. But they're saying, whatever they have, I want. Whatever they have, I want. I want you to know this morning, the bottom line definition of a life giver. I hope you get this, because this is where we're going to go in this sermon series. To me, this is what a life giver is. A life giver is somebody who loves, everybody say loves. They live live. and they lead Lead. like like Jesus. That's what a life giver is. Because I believe Jesus was the greatest, most ultimate life giver who ever lived. You see, he came to life. He came down from heaven. We talked about this on Easter Sunday. And he surrendered his deity to become just like you. He surrendered. And he actively... You look through the gospels, you'll see it. He actively went to locations that he may not have been welcome, and he just loved all over people. He always looked for opportunities to impart life into others. He served people. He added value to people who just, the world looked at as invaluable and he added value to their lives and then ultimately he surrendered his life on the cross, so that you could have eternal life. Amen. Ultimate life giver. You see, in John ten ten, Jesus talks about, we, we see in this, and I've mentioned this before, we see two mission statements. I don't know if you work at a place and you have a mission statement here. Here at Thrive Church, we have a mission. Our mission statement is to lead people in the seven one five to become life giving followers of Jesus, that's our mission. But where do we get that idea? Well, we see we see here in John ten ten. There's there's two mission statements. There's one of Satan and there's one of Jesus. And it says here it says here the thief talking about Satan here because that's what he is. His purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, that tells me, if Jesus is the ultimate life giver, that Satan is the ultimate life taker. The ultimate. I mean, that, that's, his, that's his mission. That's why he exists. That's what he does. The bio, I read this Bible commentary. I was reading up on this. And they said, he, uh, the Bible commentary says, he's here to cause havoc in your life. Havoc. How many of you say, yeah, he, he, he's, he's working pretty good. He, he's doing his thing. He, he's causing a lot of hay, havoc. He's causing chaos. So here's his mission, and, and I like to say it like this. His mission is to steal your joy, to kill your faith, and to destroy your hope. You see, he likes to steal your joy by constantly lying to you, constantly lying to you. You just hear that voice and their lies, and what he wants to do is cause you to doubt, And if he can cause you to doubt, all of a sudden he starts to work on killing your faith and he begins to tempt you with alternatives. Hey, babe, why do you put your faith in God? Why don't you put your faith in this? And that begins to kill your faith. And then after a while, you've discovered that that's not working, but all of a sudden you discover that your hope has been destroyed and he wants to convince you that life is is hopeless and meaningless. You know what his ultimate goal is? Satan's ultimate goal is this. His ultimate goal is to convince you to destroy yourself. And, and there's, it's, it's more than just suicide. It, I mean, there's multiple ways that we are destroying ourselves. And I, 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 that's for another sermon here. But Jesus says that he has a purpose. He said, my purpose, we we know what Satan is, he's a life taker. But my purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. My purpose is this, my purpose is to give them. Understand this, when you are born, you are born with this life, mentally, emotionally, physically. But there's this one element within you that is dead. And that's your spirit life. Your spirit life life doesn't come alive until you ask Jesus to come into your life. And he places his Holy Spirit inside of you. And at that moment, you become spiritually alive. That's what Dan was talking about. These young children accepted Jesus in their life and all of a sudden, bam, alive alive spiritually alive, and Jesus says, I have come to give to you life, spiritual life, and, what's, and he says, he describes his spiritual life, he says, it is rich, and it's satisfying, and rich is this, it means there's an overabundance, I mean, just full of faith, he, listen to me, he's not talking about prosperity, this is not, Jesus did not preach a prosperity gospel, Just let that sink in. It's not about the things that you have here on earth. It's about what's going on on the inside. And he says it will be rich and it will be satisfying. In other words, it will fulfill that thing that you're looking for. He will give you peace. He will give you hope, and he will give you joy. He will give you what this world can never give to you. And this is what happens then. When he places his spirit inside of you, there's this inside-out effect. Because when he places his spirit inside of you, all of a sudden it changes the way you think, the way you act, the way you feel. It changes the person that you are. Inside-out, look at your neighbor and say inside-out. That's the way he works but not only this, not only did he come to give you spiritual life, but he came to give you eternal life. And we have this hope that when we die, we become very much alive for eternity. Amen? Amen. Here's the main point of this sermon series. Get anything out of this sermon series? Jesus wants to give you life, give life to you and through you. Jesus wants to give life. To you and through you. I love that word. The, the title of my, my message today is Breathe Life. Breathe Life. He, I love the title. Uh, I'm, I'm, I love the word inspire. The word inspire means literally to breathe life into you. So uh, a, I think a year or so ago, the fire department got this really cool machine. It's called, the, let me say, it, it's the Lucas device. Anybody ever heard of a Lucas device before? Uh, Where's Reed? Reed, you know about the Lucas device, because they showed up one day at Reed, where I think you were at the hospital, or, or, or at uh, where were you at? Reed, were you at your apartment? You were at dialysis, and Reed's heart stopped beating. Well, that catches, a, that catches paramedics' attention, okay? And they came in, and they had this Lucas device. And what it is, is this board, and they quickly got Reed onto this board, and they wrapped this strap around him, and all of a sudden, all the measurements and everything, within seconds, split seconds, measures, read, and all of a sudden, this machine starts doing CPR, so the machine is taking care of the chest compressions and now all they have to do is take the, the, the oxygen mask and just shh, shh, breathing life into Reed's body. And Reed is with us today, amen? amen. Reed is with us today right. because people went out of their way to breathe life into his body. And we know that God had everything part of it. That's what inspiring people do. They breathe life into people. By accepting them. By loving them. By encouraging them. They leave you feeling appreciated, valued, and alive. All of us want to be life givers. Right? Life givers. Now we need to understand something about this life. There's this principle in the Bible called the law of the harvest. The law of the harvest. I'm sure you've heard about it. This principle tells us what you're breathing in is what you're gonna breathe out. What you breathe in is what's gonna be breathed out. In Galatians 6, 7, the apostle Paul tells us this profound truth. He says you will always harvest what you plant. Okay, this is a good time to be thinking about that. You know, Michelle is planting, has planted bulbs last fall, and it has become deer feed this spring, <laughs> but, but they will soon become tulips, they will soon become, because she planted, she, we're not going to get watermelon there, we're not going to get pumpkins there, we're going to get tulips, by God's grace, there's going to be a covering over those tulip plant bulbs. So, when you accept Christ into your life to be your Lord and Savior, then Christ is what comes out of your life, right? Especially as you begin to grow in your faith journey, you accept him into your life, and you begin to grow in your faith journey, you take steps of faith to grow, then all of a sudden, it's just, man, my attitude, my spirit, how I'm treating people, I'm just being, do I dare say the word Christ-like the more i notice that the more i get the closer i get to god the more i love the more i live and the more i lead like jesus now here's, here's where this principle comes to life galatians 5:22 the apostle paul says now this is what happens this is this is what happens here so when the holy spirit comes into your life the holy spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives love joy Peace sounds a little life giving, doesn't it? Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. You know what? That's called fruit. Fruit is this fruit is the produce that is in and comes through your life, it's the produce. No, so he's not, he's, not, he's not referring to, like, a bunch of fruits, like, okay, you just, you got a lot of patience, but you got to work on your love, and you, you got to work on that self-control thing. Now, I see that you're being gentle, so he's not talking about multiple fruits, he's talking about one fruit. It is the fruit of the Spirit, and sometimes this gets a little confusing, so, so I'm like, how many of you watch the Food Network? Food Network, Man, I, and... So when nothing else is on, you can always go to this guy named Guy Fieri. Anybody know who Guy Fieri is? Guy Fieri, diners, drive-ins, and dives. How many know what show I'm talking about? Okay. And, And so what he does is he travels all around the United States, and he finds all of these dingy places that nobody would go into, and they have the most phenomenal, fascinating, unique food. So I'm watching this the other night. Okay follow me on this this is what he made this is what that one restaurant specialized in mac and cheese buttermilk pancakes Mm-hmm, <laughs> and, and a homemade little spicy syrup that he puts on top of it, top of there. And so what he does is, is he watches the chef and he talks about the chef and put a little bit of this, put a little sugar, put a little bit of this, stir it up, put it in. You know, he goes through the whole routine and then he puts it, they put it out and they make that one dish right there. And there is his mac and cheese buttermilk pancake. Takes a fork and dips it into the syrup a little bit. And he samples the fruit, the fruit, the produce of what the chef has just made. It's that one product. Little, I don't know, oh man, it's just a little sweet, a little spicy. I taste the tanginess, a, a touch of heat there, but the cheesy deliciousness. I mean, he just goes on and on and on. What he's tasting here is the fruit. And see, so it is with us, the fruit of the Spirit. You see, God does a little bit of this and a little bit of that in our lives, and he begins to put some of this and some of that, but there's one fruit that comes from it, the Spirit of God living in and through your life. And so when people encounter you and they meet you, like, man, I really like that Jerry guy, man. he, I, he's kind of when I, when I meet Jerry, he's got that like that love and, and that and that joy and no no but, but there, I taste some of that peace in his life too. I taste some of that and, and, and the kindness and the goodness and the, but he's really self. But man, man, how do I put that in one word? He's a life giver. He's a life giver. The Spirit of God that's living in him, that same Spirit is living through him. So so how does this get developed in our lives? John fifteen five. Jesus gives us an analogy of our spiritual lives. He says, our spiritual lives are like this grapevine. He says, says, yes, I am the vine, talking about God. I am the vine, and you, you're a bunch of branches onto that vine. Those who remain in me or abide in me uh, will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. So Jesus is, is giving us an illustration here. He's saying, I am that one vine, and I'm, the roots go down, and this one vine branch goes up, the, and, the, and then these branches, you stem from that, and then you produce the fruit, the thing that comes out of your life. Here, here's what I want you to grasp from that. Here's, here's life-giving, life-giving development process for you. It starts with recognition, Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. It doesn't say you are the vine. I'm just a branch in your life. It, in other words, Jesus is saying, I'm the main thing. Don't ever forget. Don't, don't try to live off of other main things. I'm the main thing. I'm the main thing. And then, then he says, "I from apart from me, you can do nothing. You know what he just said there? I am the oxygen, not only for your, your your physical body, but for your spiritual life. I'm oxygen. I need you. There's a desperation. I need God. But not only this, not only recognition, but a second relationship. He says, those who remain in me and I in them. There's another word that the scripture uses, the word abide. Those who abide in me. That abide means to live in connection or in relationship with somebody. This is not in your notes, but James 4:8. you You want to write that verse right down. Listen to the promise of God. Listen to this promise that he makes to us. If we will draw near to God, in other words, if we will pursue God, he will draw near to you. If you get close to God, God will come to you. Here, here, here's, some, here's, some, here's what pursuing God looks like. Number one, it starts with receiving Jesus. Jesus. And then, and then you move into talking to Jesus. And then you begin to study Jesus daily. And then you begin to listen to Jesus. And you begin to worship Jesus. You attend worship services like this on a regular basis. And then you begin to obey Jesus. That's what it looks like to obey, to pursue God in an abiding relationship. So then there's return. So there is recognition, there's relationship, and then there's return. And then it says, then he will produce much fruit. Much fruit. And remember, remember the kinds of fruit that I talked about here? There's bad fruit. You know, the bad fruit that comes out of it like, you know, like the selfish life keeper, the, the obnoxious life taker, the, just the, oh, the irritating life sucker. That's the bad fruit. And nobody wants that title or that label on their lives. So don't be that. But then there's the good fruit called the life giver. You see, when God produces fruit in your life, the most powerful thing that you can do is to breathe that life into others. Let me say that one more time. One of the simplest, when God produces fruit in your life, the most powerful thing that you can do is to breathe that life into others. So in closing, let me illustrate to you, go back to the law of the harvest. One of the simplest yet most powerful ways to connect with Jesus is through daily reading his word. Remember the law of the harvest. What you put in is what's gonna gonna come out. And one of the most powerful ways and simplest ways that you can have that life-giving spirit come out of your life is to put God's word into your heart. It's simple. It's simple. I, I, and so I ran across, I ran across this, this uh, study that happened in 2009. And the study, they, what they wanted to do is just well, what impact really does God's word have on people's life? When you engage when you just open up your Bible, and you have a Bible reading plan, and you're just intentional about just reading the Bible, it doesn't have to be long, as few verses or something, but those who are intentional, what, how does it affect somebody's life? And so they, they did a poll of over 40,000 people from ages 8 to 80, and as they compiled the results, they had this incredible discovery. They were like blown away with what they discovered. When people, they discovered that when people engage in the word of God, like just one time of week, and that included going to church. Like for some of you, this might be the only day of the week out of the seven that you are engaged in God's word. The study says if if you only engage in God's word one day out of the week, it had like zero effect on your life. Okay, well what about two days? It barely moved. Little to no effect on a person's life. Three weeks, okay, we have a little bit more movement, but not much. A slight pulse, something, Something it changed. You know what they discovered? When they went to, okay, what about a person who engages at least consistently four days a week. What happens to that person? Boom, the results were were profounding. It just went crazy, okay? Here's, Here's what they discovered for somebody who engages, who pursues God at least consistently four days out of the week and through the word, just reading the word of God. Feeling lonely dropped by 30 percent. Anger issues dropped by 32 percent. Bitterness and relationship dropped 40 percent. Alcoholism dropped by 57 percent. Sex outside of marriage dropped 68 percent. Gambling dropped. By 74%. Feeling spiritually stagnant dropped 60%. Viewing pornography dropped 61%. Sharing your faith jumped by 200%. Discipling others, 230%. You will always harvest what you plant. If you're here today and say, Pastor, I I love this message. I want to be a life giver. Yeah, I do too. But it's not my spirit that you want. I don't think I have a life-giving spirit on my own. It's the spirit of God living in me, and it's the spirit of God that wants to live through you this morning. So I want to ask you today, What kind of life are you breathing on others? What kind of life is Jesus breathing on you? Jesus wants to give life to you and through you. And for some of you, you would say, Pastor, when you said spiritually dead, that's how I feel. I've never taken that step to invite Jesus into my life. And it all starts there so i implore you i I encourage you i can't i want to inspire you i can't say enough i i I just want to challenge you let today be the day of salvation let today be the day that your spirit comes alive and the way that that happens is he never pushes his way through it's always through invitation only and so if you're here today you're watching online and you would like to invite God's Spirit to come live inside of you. You would like to become spiritually alive. I just ask you to just bow your head with me and pray this prayer. Say, God, I need you. I want to invite your life giving spirit to live inside of me, to forgive me, to shape me, to change me from the inside out. I'm choosing today to live for you, to be the Lord of my life. Thank you for your salvation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.